What's up, you guys? I am Micah Folsom, and you're listening to the Do Your Crap Podcast. I was overwhelmed, uninspired, and unfulfilled, and I knew there had to be a different way to do life. Turns out, there totally is. And I found my calling in helping people learn and do the unsexy habits that build a legendary life. Each and every week, I'm going to help you bust through the crap that's holding you back and break down the simple habits and mindset shifts that will help you rock every aspect of your life. Are you ready to do the things that most people won't so that you can live the life that most people can't? Here we go. Welcome back to the Do Your Crap podcast. I am so excited for this episode. This is your host, Micah Folsom, and we have a guest with us on today that y'all are going to love. She has been an entrepreneur now for over 20 years. She was actually the world's first female licensed boxing manager. And since then has spent 25 years building and selling businesses. She holds a degree in economics from the Ivy League London School of Economics and an MBE honors from the Queen of England. Yeah, she's legit, like legit. She has so much wisdom, so much knowledge. And so in this episode, we are digging into all things entrepreneurship, raising kids as an entrepreneur, the ups and downs that you can expect as an entrepreneur, like some of her lessons, some of the things that have made the biggest difference for her. And she closes it out with some nuggets of gold that you do not want to miss. So let's turn it over to the conversation. All right, Shaw, I am so excited for this conversation. Welcome to the show. Oh, I'm really excited to be here and and yeah, definitely totally up having this conversation today. It's going to be so good. All right. Before we dig in, who are you? What is your story? How did you get into all of this good work? Tell us more about you. All right. Well, I'm going to start with saying, despite the fact that I've got an incredibly British accent, I was actually born in California. So I would have never guessed. (laughs) Yeah, I know you'd never have guessed. Right. So, um, I lived in California since I was 11 and then came back to the UK. And like a lot of entrepreneurs, I come from a very dysfunctional background. I don't think you have to have a dysfunctional background to be an entrepreneur, but I do think that when you've been through hardships yourself, I think you definitely have more of a tendency to want to be more in control of your own future. And so I grew up in a a family with, um, you know, narcotics abuse, domestic violence, when we came back to the UK, because my mom was British, we lived in what you guys would call the projects and here we'd call social housing. So, you know, I grew up with a single single mom, mom, and <laughs> we had absolutely no money, like no money. We, we, we couldn't afford our own apartment or our own house. And so I think I felt from a very early age that I had to do something different because I knew that if, if anything was going to change, I had to be the change. I couldn't yeah. rely on anyone else to make anything different for me. And so in some ways I look back at that and I think I'm really fortunate because if I hadn't had, if I hadn't had those experiences, would I have the tenacity and the determination, the resilience that I do? Yeah. So I try to always have an attitude where my, my glass is half full so I guess my my story really begins when when I came back here and we were living in a hostel for homeless families for nearly two years, which meant that 
I couldn't tell anybody where I lived at school because I thought they'd all bully me. And I found it really, really difficult to integrate as a young teenager. And I'm I'm just grateful that actually instead of it turning me into somebody who was a super introvert and found it hard to make friends, I think I kind of went in the opposite direction, but became very extrovert and I learned how to make friends very quickly. I learned how to be social. I learned how to fit into different social scenarios at the same time as never telling anybody where I lived. So I do think all of this background actually is really important when you look at somebody's story today, because more often than not, you can, if you, if you go back into their history, you can see a pattern in what's happened. And so when you look at my career, I've been incredibly, um, I've just had a career where I feel very blessed with the opportunities that I've had. So just um, without sounding like a complete arrogant twat, I, I've, I've done some incredible things. Tell us I'm, all of it. We want to celebrate you, girl. <laughs> here's the difference between the Americans and the Brits. And so I am going to say I would much rather everybody had the American attitude because in the UK, you can't, you just don't, you don't tell people how good you are. You just have to pretend you're just okay. You're just mediocre, <laughs> right? Yep. Yep. No, that was, oh yeah, I know. But I just got lucky. It was uh-huh. nothing to do with me. I just got lucky. And I just think that's a shame, especially for women, because I feel like we need to celebrate ourselves more. And yeah. importantly, we need to celebrate each other more. I'm a massive believer that the only person that you ever compete with is yourself. Collaborate with others and compete with yourself. That's how it should be. So I I started off and I was the only, the the only licensed female boxing manager in the world at one point in time. And I put like 25 world title fights all over America in Vegas, in Atlantic City, in Madison Square Gardens. And I was the only woman in the entire industry. And then when the guy that I was representing then, when he retired, I had a chance meeting with a guy called Sir James Dyson. And I'm sure all of you know him from the hairdryers or the vacuum cleaners or the hand dryers in restaurants. And I worked with James from around a kitchen table when nobody knew who he was. Uh, for five years. And that really set my business up. And so that's when I became an entrepreneur. And I thought, I I can't ever work for anyone else. I'm unemployable. I've got too many of my own ideas. I want (laughs) to do things. I want to be in control. I want to be responsible. And so for me, the rest of it is really just a history of entrepreneurial journeys and um, and not just big wins. Yeah, I've had big wins. I've exited businesses. But I've also had big losses, right? So mm-hmm. I've had things that didn't go right as well. And I think that one of the important things is to understand that in this journey of being an entrepreneur, it's not linear. It's not yeah. going to follow a, a straight pattern. It's going to be more a bit like a roller coaster. And the job is to have more highs than lows. And the job is to make sure the lows aren't that low. But the reality is it's never going to be 100% straightforward. And if we can accept that and acknowledge that from day one, and we can not just be prepared for the things that don't work, uh, but we can actually just say, oh, okay, this is part of the journey. We can't do the journey without something going wrong. I love it. Okay. So there's so much I want to unpack in this (laughs) so much. Ah, This is going to be great. Okay. First of all, how did you, the first question, I want to go back to the very beginning. You, you clearly grew up with very humble beginnings. 
Yeah. You've clearly done really epic things in your life, had so much success, created a life on purpose, like lots of outward success as well. Like yes, fulfillment, yes, all the things, but lots of income, lots of growth. How did you get over some of the money mindset stuff that women deal with of like, well, I don't need more than I need. And who am I to want more than our necessities? And I feel like that is a big struggle. And if you don't ever get past that, like you, you literally will stay stuck forever. So that's where I want to start with you. Okay. <laughs> well, it's a great place to start because I don't think that we ever get over it. And I think that the key is to become really self-aware so yeah, that you love can catch yourself when you hit those moments, because you know that there's a saying, uh, new level, new devil. Yeah. So we can break through one ceiling and then we're going to hit another one. So for me, I honestly, until you know, maybe a few years ago, really thought I couldn't possibly have any limiting beliefs around money because if I did, how could I possibly be here? So if you think about where I grew up, I'm very, you know, grateful that I live in a beautiful multi-million dollar house on a Royal Park and I've got another multi-million dollar house on the beach in the UK and I spend 17 weeks on vacation. My son goes to a phenomenal private school. I can take care of all my family. So for me, that's beyond my ancestors' wildest dreams. It's beyond my wildest dreams. So surely I can't have a money issue, right? Because I couldn't get here. But that's not actually true. What's true is that that was my limit and I didn't recognize it. So what happens is you get so far and then you just keep bumping along and you don't break through. Now, I don't believe that you have to always break through. And I think this is one of the challenges that I think especially with social media, we have to be very conscious of that. My journey does not have to be your journey. Your journey doesn't have to be my journey. We don't always have to be comparing ourselves. So actually, for some people, when you hit this level, it's perfectly okay to stay there because that's where you want to be. So if it's intentional that you're staying at that level, then it's not a problem because you're intentional about it. But actually what I realized was, this isn't intentional for me. Like I want to build a big business that I can exit for a hundred million dollars. Like I feel like I'm more than capable of executing on ideas that have a market value of at least a hundred million dollars. I've demonstrated how I've been able to add that kind of value to companies that are worth billions and billions. So why would I not be able to do it for myself? Because my limiting beliefs are keeping me at this point. So Sure, it's okay to go here, but it's not okay to go there. And I just want to add one more thing that's become, I mean, we can maybe unpack this a bit because I know that some of your audience are probably in the online space. And so for yeah. me, one of the things coming from a humble background, and, and, and so I share this with you guys, especially anyone who's listened to this who comes from a similar background. For a very long period of time, I felt like I had to serve everyone in order to be true to my roots because I didn't want to be a sellout. I didn't want to be that person who only helped the people who were already successful, who were already making money. I, because of my background, because of guilt that comes with that, because of all of the responsibilities that comes with that, I felt like I had to always have products and programs that were available and accessible to everyone. And what that meant was that I wasn't fulfilling myself or my higher self because I was doing things for the wrong motivation. I was doing things out of responsibility and out of obligation, as opposed to where my actual true purpose and zone of genius actually is. And when I thought about it, I thought, well, hold up a second. 
your books are for everyone. Everybody can spend $15, right? And you've got tons of free content all over the internet. And that's entirely free. You actually don't have to create products or programs for people at the start of their journey. Because I am much better off with businesses that are already hitting the the six figures and they want to scale from the six to the multiple six or the multiple six to the seven. And I wasn't doing that. I, I was doing that, but I wasn't focused on it because I felt if I did that, I was a sellout. And then I had to have a word with myself and say, but this isn't serving you, Shah, because actually you operate at your highest when you're working with those people who are trying to really scale their businesses. And especially when the people who are trying to scale their businesses come from a background that hasn't been easy, because I relate to that. But that doesn't mean that we have to be for everyone. You are not a sellout if you don't have products or programs for people who can't afford your services. I think that's huge. I think that's huge because so many people get started in whatever industry they're in because at the core, they want to they want to do something that's meaningful. They want to help people elevate their lives. They want to help people, whatever. And really, as you progress, lots of times it's, it, it scales away from the groundwork, the foundation, and into the, just like you said, well, this is my zone of genius. It's mentoring those people who already have the foundation, already have the company, already have the things, and it's helping them get to the next level. That doesn't mean you don't care about everyone else. It doesn't mean that. And that's, I think that's where people get stuck. Yeah. I love that. I'm so glad you brought that up. Okay. You mentioned your books. You're like, I have books for everyone. Everyone can get those. I was reading through the titles and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like, you are my girl. Like all of these. So you've got how to fix your shit. You've got do less, get more, stop talking, start doing, stop talking, start doing action books. So if, is this one, one your most current? Two, and this is my most current. <laughs> okay, so stop talking, start see, doing. We have Seth Godin on the front cover. He did my my front cover blurb, and then Sir James Dyson wrote my forward. So, so um, awesome. So yeah. give us give us a little give us a little look into this one. So this is she held up. If you're listening to the podcast, stop talking, start doing. So give us a rundown. What is this book about? Everybody needs this. I already know that because this is something that so many people struggle with. So what's in it? So it's really talking to the perennial problem, challenge, conversation we all have around procrastination. We all have things that we want to do and we just don't get on and do them. And so it's written in a really conversational way and it's super practical, really helping people break through what is stopping them from doing the things that they actually want to do, whether that's get fit, get married, get divorced, start a business, sell a business, move to the South of France, move to New York, whatever it is you want to do, write a book, all the things that people talk about doing, but they don't actually get around to doing. And that's typically, you know, it's procrastination, of course, but procrastination is a form of self-sabotage. And so it's really understanding if this is what you want, why are you not doing it? Why have you not even taken the first step? And why, if you did take the first step, did you not take the fifth and the sixth? Why did you give up? Why are you self-sabotaging? Because it's always, I'm too busy. This happened, that happened. We allow other things to get in the way of our real dreams. And so the book was written for myself and for all my friends and for everybody I've ever worked with who just keeps telling me and I tell myself all the things I want to do and I write it all down in my journal. And then I'm like, but why haven't I done this yet? Like, why have I not even started on it yet? And why am I spending my time 
doing all of this batshit crazy stuff that I it, it, I don't even really want to do. Like, wh- why do we do this? And so it's really trying to understand the human psyche on why we say yes to things that we don't want to do that oh then gosh, means we yeah. don't have any time to do the things that we do want to do. Okay. So basically 100% of humans need to get this book. So go to all the bookstores, Amazon. I'm sure it's everywhere, right? It's, um, Amazon's always the easiest place to get everything. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. So I'm definitely going to grab that as well. Um, what would like, I feel like as you're talking, what I hear a lot is the struggle that so many people, and I'm going to go to the place of especially women, you get comfortable, you get to a place in life where you're like, we're taken care of, we're, we're good. Life is pretty good. You still have goals and dreams. You still have things on your heart. You still have desires. Why do so many people stay in that? Things are good. Things are comfy. And they don't allow themselves to actually go after all that they really want. Quick time out from the show to let you know that I am looking for the next women that I'm going to mentor on my team. This is within Team Beachbody. We get to lock arms together. I get to be your mentor, building a business, working on your health goals, and empowering others. So if you are someone who would love to get healthier, who loves prioritizing working out and eating well and sharing your story on social media and being a light and uplifting others and would love a way to make extra income, even if it's alongside a full-time career or in the cracks of motherhood, whatever it is, you can build this in a way that feels best to you. So if you want to work with me closely to grow as a person, to become a better mother, to become a better wife, to become a more empowered human being. That is literally what we do every single day. And if you follow me on social media, you already know what we do as coaches. You already know what it looks like to be a successful coach, because that's what I share just my life. And that is what I do. And I would love to help more women have an opportunity to literally transform your health, transform your mindset, transform your community of people that you're surrounded with and be able to transform your financial opportunity with this business. I can't wait to chat with you. If you want some more info about it, go to micafulsomfit.com slash transform your life, put in your email. I will be able to send you all of the nitty gritty beats. And if you want to chat one-on-one with me, I am an open book. Ask me all the questions. Tell me your fears. Tell me your reservations. Ask me if you'd be a good fit. I will be honest with you. I can promise you that. So shoot me a message at Micah Folsom fit and we can chat there. I cannot wait to work with you. Oh, so I mean, part, part of it is because we accept what I call tolerable mediocrity, which Mm. means it's, it's okay. And it's good enough and it's not bad enough for us to feel really uncomfortable, but it's nowhere near good enough for us to stand on the rooftop and shout and scream about how great it is either. Right. It's just this kind of, you know, kind of cheap vanilla ice cream in the middle. We can tolerate it. We can put up with it and we can tell everybody it's okay, but actually it's not lighting our soul on fire. And and I think the, the real question is, if you sat there thinking and had a conversation with yourself, is this enough? 
Is this enough? Did you come this far to come this far? And you can't lie to yourself because without even thinking about it, the answer comes into your head. You know if you've got unfulfilled dreams. You know if this isn't enough. You know if you didn't come this far just to come this far. And for sure, some people will be like, actually, Shah, you know what? This is enough. And I'm all for it for those people. This is, I always talk about being intentional because I don't think that I should dictate what anybody else's level of ambitions should be. Yeah. All I care about is that it's intentional, that you're where you are because you choose to be and not because you choose not to be. That's huge. I think a lot of us talk ourselves out of all of the things that we really want. We we're like, it would be nice, but all of the work that it would take to get there. Yeah. Don't sign me up for that. Or all of the discomfort, all of the growth, all of the scary fears I would have to overcome. I'm okay to just sit here. Like life is good enough. I feel like that is the hardest place for people to move from because you, you mentioned it. It's not bad. It's not discomfort that they're feeling. They're not, their back is not against the wall. They're okay. And so they're, they're okay to just stay there (laughs) instead of like, I think it's the difference between, do you really want something or would you just prefer it? Right. So you want JLo abs, (laughs) but you'd prefer not to have to get off the couch when you're in the middle of a Netflix series. Right. So If you can get that without doing the work, then that would be amazing. But actually, I'm not sure I'm in it to do all the work. And so, and that's okay. But if you know that you really want something, then the question is why, why are we not doing it? If we do really want it, why are we not doing it? And I just don't believe it's because you don't have any time because I've been a single parent for, you know, I've been with my partner now for five years, but I've been a single parent really sad tragically my son's dad passed away when he was only three and a half and so when people tell me that I'm lucky I'm like I wouldn't wish most of my life on anyone nobody would want to have been through the traumatic childhood that I've been through nobody would want to see the level of domestic violence that I've seen or grown up with nobody would want to lose their partner when their child was only three and a half years old so when people see my success all they see is the success They don't see what goes on behind the scenes. And so when people say, well, it's easy for you. I mean, that just pisses me off because I'm like, you actually have no idea what I juggle or how hard it's been or, or what I've had to sacrifice or what time I have to get up or go to bed or how I just make it all work because it's not easy, but I'm intentional about what I want to do and who I want to be because life is very short. and, And, and I don't think that, any type of major grief of losing a partner or a child or anyone early has a silver lining because I just, I I, I just can't get my head around that something good can come out of everything. But what I do know is one of the results of going through tragedy at such a young age is that I appreciate life more than I probably would have done if that hadn't have happened. So I know that I want to get to the end of my life knowing that I've wrung every last drop out of it. And I think that's such a a powerful perspective. You see the world differently. You see opportunities differently. You see challenges and trials differently because you choose to. You choose to. And I appreciate appreciate the passing of life and the passing of time because I know that 
it's not guaranteed. Yeah. So I, I don't want to, also, I also don't want to set an example for my son that we can coast or we can just live a life half dreamt rather than fully dreamt. And so I'm always trying to teach him that, you know, it's not about how often you win. It's about how often you try. Because in the process of trying, you learn, and therefore you're going to win more, but you're not going to win all the time. Yeah. And that's just part of life. Yeah, I love that. Speaking of your son, how old is he now? He's 17. So awesome. Okay, so how do you feel like you have been, I mean, you've been building businesses and an entrepreneur and doing awesome things for well over 20 years. So his whole yep. life, his whole life, his whole life. Yeah. How do you feel like that has impacted him seeing you do the things that you've done? So I genuinely think it's a double-edged sword. So the positive is that I can't imagine he would ever work for anybody else long-term because he's seen how we've been able to live and travel and do great things because yeah. of the career that I have. And working for myself and being an entrepreneur and running my own business. I think that I've taken to so many places. When I signed my contract with Penguin for for my book deal, he flew with me to New York to sign the deal. So he's got pictures of here. You know, he's had some phenomenal experiences. And I think that what it's taught him, he's so good around everybody, anyone from any background, any, any gender, any race, any social economic background, because my social circles are so diverse that he's always grown up around lots of different people doing lots of different things. Yeah. So his view on life is that absolutely anything is possible and he just needs to figure out what he wants to do and then he will go and make it happen. That's the positive. I think the negative, and I think it's really, it's really challenging for any parent, especially if you've come from a poor background and then you have money but you want your child to have the same kind of hustle and drive and determination that you had, but yet they don't have any of the reasons that you had to do it. Yeah. So you've got this like, well, well, how do I make him work like I did when he's got no reason to, right. you, know, my, you know, this child, he, he thinks it's normal for everybody to spend the whole of August in Barbados on Sandy lanes. I'm like, <laughs> dude, that's not real life. Right. This is not real yeah. life. I didn't leave the country until I was 16. And that was when I paid for my own holiday. This kid has like gone everywhere all over the world. But whose fault is that? Like, that's not his fault. It's what I chose for him. And yeah, we have to find a balance so that he learns that this doesn't happen for everyone. Yeah. So I think that's part of the struggle. And the other part of the struggle is that if you have a successful parent, particularly if you have a parent who is publicly successful, I think it puts uh, a degree of pressure onto the child to outperform their parent, which honestly, that is, I would imagine, definitely mine. My greatest wish is that my son is healthier, happier, richer, wiser than me. I want my son to be everything more than me. But in that process, he's got to want that for himself. Yeah, And so that puts a pressure on him to be a, they expect him to be an extrovert. They expect him to have all this drive. They expect him to have all this determination and resilience. So because he's my son, he's expected to be a certain type of person. And I do think that puts pressure on kids. So how do you like, well, how do you deal with that? Do you, do you have conversations that are 
around this? Do you open up that dialogue? Like, how are you proactive about that? Look, I'm definitely not going to pretend that I have all the answers. And and I'm going to be really honest. We have conversations sometimes. I am just being honest where I say, Jet, how the hell are you my kid when you're so lazy? Like, (laughs) where did you get this lazy gene from? Like, you didn't get it from me and you didn't get it from your dad. So where did this gene come from? And then... So I'm just being honest. I'm human, right? I so, love it. You know, I, and then there's times when I say, uh, what I really try to say to him, Jack, the only thing I want for you is choice. I actually don't mind what you want to pursue as long as you choose it and you love it and yeah. you give it everything that you've got. Other than that, nothing else matters to me. So my job as your parent is to help you create as many options and as many choices as humanly possible so that you are in a position that you can really, truly find your calling and what is going to light you up. And it doesn't have to be what my calling was. Yeah. You don't have to be me. What you have to do is be 100% you. I love that. I think that alone is one of the most incredible things that parents can do for kids because I think society already puts so many stipulations and puts them in a box and does all these things about what they expect and whatever. If we, if they can hear it from us, like, I believe in you, the world is your oyster. Like you can make anything happen and you can choose and you can, and I will support you. But you can't be lazy and you Definitely can't, can't be lazy. No. You can't be lazy and you can't game all day. Those are my caveats, right? <laughs> no, that's dang for sure. You definitely can't be lazy. No, I no, I love it. I love it. And I think it really is that because my husband and I have this conversation a lot because we're raising our children. I mean, how could you much more privileged than either of us were raised? And so we're like, all right, it is very important to us to instill the hard work, to instill like all of those things. Yes, absolutely. So it's that, it's that, okay, let's weave this in. We've got to be intentional about it because it'd be really easy to have them grow up without having to do some of the things that teach you some really good lessons, you know? So I love it. I think it's very important. One of of the things I've always said to my son from a very early age so that he's very clear about it is I said to him, I wouldn't, I am never after you're 18, I will pay for everything. I'll send you to the best schools. But after you're 18, from the moment you go to university, you have to pay for yourself. And this is how life is going to work. When you want to buy a car, when you want to buy an apartment, for every dollar that you save or you make towards it, I'll match it, but I'm not giving you anything. So if you figure out how to make $50, that's all you're going to get. But if you come to me and say, mom, I've saved $50,000, I'll be like, here's $50,000. So you, he has an incentive to figure it out because I will match it, but I'm not yeah. going to just write him a check. So I don't think that's helpful. No, I agree with you. That's awesome. I love it. I love I love conversations like this because it's not often that you get to be inside of someone else's brain that like, I don't know, just how are you managing this? How are you juggling these things? Like parenthood is not, where's the book for that? Like, where there is a, book, right? There is a, there I is a, I think it's, it's just, you have to juggle it and it's yeah. always a work in progress, right? Nothing is ever going to be perfect. It's always Absolutely. a work in progress. Absolutely. 
Oh, I love this so much. Okay. I, we're going to wrap it up with this. What would you tell the person who is maybe feeling like you mentioned how entrepreneurship is a roller coaster? There's highs, there's lows, expect it. It's normal. What would you say to the person who maybe is in a low right now and they've been in a low? What would you say to them to All right. whatever? <laughs> so the first thing I would say is understand whether you are in a dip or a dead end. Mm. And so for me, that means not all businesses work, not all relationships work, not all friendships work. So going into something thinking that you have to keep doing it, even though it's feeling difficult, we have to learn to understand the difference between a difficult period, which is a dip and a dead end, which means we should cut our losses and try a different path. And by the way, if you are in a dead end, it doesn't mean you shouldn't run another business. It just means that maybe this one has run its course and isn't the right one for you, or it's not the right one for you right now. So I feel like the most important thing is a level of self-awareness where you can be really honest with yourself. And you have to, you know, if it feels like a dead end road, it sounds like a dead end road, and it smells like a dead end road, it probably is a dead end road. So the way I feel about it is this, is that if that's how I'm feeling, I have I have a rule where I have to give myself 90 days. And if I still feel as bad or worse at the end of those 90 days about the business, or maybe it's not the business itself, but maybe it's a program that you're doing or a course that you're running or a product that you're selling. Maybe it's just part of the business. Maybe it's the whole business. But if you still feel the same way or worse after 90 days, then you have to give yourself another 90 days to either fix it or get out of it. Because that's when you have to accept, okay, this wasn't a dip that I'm coming out of. It was a dead end road. And the last thing you ever want to do, if you were driving your car and you saw a sign saying dead end road, you would not continue. You would <laughs> right, turn around right. and you'd find a different route, right? Yeah. But I in business, that. but we also do this in relationships, right? I mean, let's be honest, in business, it's called a sunk cost. And a sunk cost is when you've invested time, effort and money into something. And so because you've got that investment and that sunk cost into it, you keep investing more time, more effort, more love, more money into it, even though in the back of your mind, you're like, I don't think this is ever going to work, but I've started. So I'm going to continue. I can, I saw the dead end road. I saw the signs, but I started. So I'm just going to go all the way down to the very end, just to be sure that those signs weren't lying. Right. Yep. And you've done this in relationships. I know we've all done this. We've all been in a relationship at one point in our lives where we knew it was a dead end road, but we persevered for six months, maybe even six years thinking that it was going to turn around. And yet we knew. And so what I'm saying to you is that in your business, look for the dead end road signs, pay attention to them, give yourself an initial three month period. If it's the same or worse, give yourself another 90 days to either turn it around or get out, but also recognize that not everything is a dead end road. Sometimes we just go through a dip. And that dip could be that you've got stressed with your kids or stressed with your partner that is making you feel stressed about your business. But actually, mm-hmm. if you didn't have these stresses, the business wouldn't be the problem. So you have to just become self-aware to understand the difference between a dip and a dead end. That's my have, biggest tip. 
I love that so much. And you mentioned the outside stressors that lots of times you're like, oh, my business is stressing me out, but really it's this stuff going on. I, I see this all the time. I see this all the time is people have a, an opportunity. They partner with a business that can literally change their life, change where they're at, get them where they want to go. And they put the, they put the break on the business when life gets hard and then they blame the business that's going to change their life. And so then they stay in the frustrated cycle of my life still. Actually they're on this hamster wheel that they never get off. Yeah. So how, how, to that person, how would you, how would you help them deal with the hard stuff in life and still give their business the time, energy? The number one thing that you can do regardless of where you're at in your business, if you're flying high or you're, you know, you're in a dip, the number one thing you can do is find a community of like-minded people. You need to find a place where you can normalize your ambitions and you can have honest and open conversations with other entrepreneurs so that you know that you're not alone. That is the absolute single most important thing to do. Ideally try to find yourself like a mastermind group, um, and a place where you can actually physically meet up. But if you can't physically meet up, then make sure you can meet up online. It's about yeah. having that sense of camaraderie and a support network around you. You you cannot get through life without a support network. I back that 10 out of 10, 100%. It makes all the difference because your peers lots of times don't view life the same as you. They don't view ambition the same as you. They don't have the same goals and That's dreams. Cool. And if you're so, not surrounding yourself with those people, you're like, oh, well. Well, actually what tends to happen, you know, what tends to happen is that you stop talking up because you think, I don't want everybody to think I'm arrogant. I'll just yeah. be quiet. I won't contribute. And, but that's not good for your soul. So, yeah. you know, one of the things that I see the most with the women who are in my mastermind is that the single thing that they say is that this was the first place where they could normalize their ambitions. It was the first place where they were surrounded by a whole group of other women who were not only had their own ambition, but were cheering their ambitions on because outside of it, just because you choose to be an entrepreneur, doesn't mean your friends do. doesn't mean that your family does. doesn't mean that your partner does. doesn't mean that anyone else in your immediate circle understands what you're doing or why you're doing it. So it is crucial to have that support network around you. I love it. Amen. Love it. Mic drop closing it with that. So good. where can, where can our listeners find you on social, your website, all the goods. So, uh, with a very unusual name, I'm super easy to find. So you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, just my full name, Shah Wasman. And if you want to find the links to all of the socials, just go to my website, which is even easier to find, which is shaa.com. So just my name, Shah, shaa.com. And everything is there. Perfect. Well, Shaw, this was so good. So good. I could chat with you forever about all of this stuff and pick your brain. So thank you so much for being on with us and pouring into our audience. Thank you so much for having me. You bet. All right. Have a wonderful week, you guys. Thank you, Shaw. Wrapping up another episode, and I just want to thank you for sticking around. Before you head out, I would love to hear from you. It would mean the world to me if you left this podcast a quick review wherever you're listening from. And if you got some nuggets from the message today, don't forget to share it with your friends, your team, and your Instagram story so that anyone else who needs it can find it too. And be sure to tag me 
at Micah Folsom Fit so that I can shout you out and share your page with my friends. Thanks for hanging. Now let's go take action on those goals and dreams because if you can feel it in your heart and see it in your head, then you can hold it in your hand. So until next time, go do your craft.